Let's go. Let's go. Oh, oh did you want to? Sorry. I'll let you. I'll let you. Next time. I'm in love with you. Snap out of it. I'll have what she's having. Too many guys think I'm a concept, or I complete them, or I'm gonna make them alive. But I'm just a fucked up girl who's looking for my own peace of mind. Don't assign me yours. Caustic wit is my religion. I would make a great queen because I am so stubborn. I say when it comes to stardom and Lauren, there are no accidents. Hi, Karen Peterson. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Citizen Dame, the podcast where we talk about all kinds of horror to distract ourselves from the actual horror of the world that we live in. It's just getting weirder and weirder. Um, I am Lauren Humphreys Brooks, and with me, as always, is Karen Peterson. Hello, Karen. These truly are mad times. <laughs> uh, yes, they they just just are. I don't even know if we need to say anything about it. Just like, all right, sure, fine, whatever. Let's let's talk about scary shit. Um, I mean, whatever we say is going to be different by the time anybody hears this. So it's so true it's so true like we don't know what world you future people are living in right now like who the hell knows whatever you're listening to right now either remember how we were totally fearful the sky is falling or how we were living in simpler times yeah because that's just gonna be one or the other um yeah so so today we are going to talk about monsters monster movies freaky monsters monsters that we love monsters that we hate and everything in between so first let's start out with a real life monster yes that's right harvey weinstein uh was charged a rapist a rapist who is a rapist and is convicted of rape Uh, He was charged again on Friday with the rapes of two more women and is now facing um, 11 sexual assault counts involving five women in California. Uh, So this is an addition. So this is the California case, right? This is an addition to to everything that went on in New York. And and so Weinstein, yet again, I mean, things just keep on going bad for this guy and and it couldn't happen to a nicer person. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, we've been following, I think we've talked about it a lot. We've been following the Harvey Weinstein case since this podcast started. Yeah. Uh, Within like a couple episodes, we were talking about it. So we haven't mentioned Mr. Weinstein recently, although I did recently watch a movie that the Weinstein company came up and I was like, ooh. (laughs) It does. It feels weird, doesn't it? It's like, oh, should I turn this off? like no i like this movie it's good you know scream is one that has his name on it you know and it's just like ah no i hate that he's so entrenched in our pop culture forever but it's almost like well things went on in spite of him you know we just have to look at it that way yeah it's 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 definitely it's odd and i feel like you know this is something that in in the future people are not really going to notice per se Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because that's going to continue to come up Miramax and, and the Weinstein company and everything. And we'll just forget about it eventually. But just every time now I see that those logos, I'm like, oh, God. Oh. And they're and yeah, like you're saying they're great films. But um, but yeah, so fuck you, Harvey Weinstein. Um, you're a rapist and you're going to be in prison forever. I believe what will happen, and I could be wrong about the timeline on things, but because he is, of course, serving his sentence in prison in new york Mm -hmm. but i believe as soon as 
um, it's deemed safe, he will be because they they've really re like they've really put the brakes on um, on prosecutions here, especially in LA, just because of the the pandemic. And so I believe that they have pushed off any um, beginning of the trial for him until next summer. But this is one of those things where he'll go to trial while he's still sentenced in New York. And so they'll just fly him out here, put him on trial, convict him probably. And then after he, then he'll go back to New York. And then after his sentence is finished there, then he would come to California and service time in California. It's like I said, it couldn't happen to a nicer person. <laughs> you know, more deserving one, certainly. Yeah, really. Uh, so, so yeah, so of course we're going to keep on paying attention to that. It just keeps on going from bad to worse. And I hope it continues to go from bad to worse. Fuck you, Harvey. Uh, <laughs> Goodbye forever. <laughs> a lot of shade and Friday here. Um, so moving on from, uh, from, real life monsters let's not talk about them for too long uh let's move on to some fun monsters monsters that we actually like and uh and enjoy watching so t on today's episode we're going to talk about monster movies uh, i'm so excited for this you know monster movies are they're weird because it's, because the first thing that i thought of was just like oh i don't really like monster movies but one of the first things that i thought of was um was the 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 keiju monster films and i'm not mm -hmm. a particularly big fan of things like godzilla and mothra right and then i took a moment i was like well but there are a lot of other kinds of monster movies you know mm -hmm. um it isn't just the big the big monster movies uh but so let's let's start out with what are considered to be some certainly the original franchise um and some of the original monster films which are the universal monsters uh beginning depending upon where you want to begin, but beginning in some place like 1931, 1932 with uh, Frankenstein, Dracula, the mummy, and then later on uh, the Wolfman, the Invisible Man, um, those sorts of films that kind of make up these, these, mon these monster figures that you know, have numerous films attached to them uh and are also are, are also probably the most iconic monsters at least western monsters uh that you know as soon as you see we talked about this before as soon as you see like images of frankenstein what you're seeing is boris karloff as frankenstein as the frankenstein monster um you know when you see images of dracula the kind of iconic image of dracula is bella lugosi uh, the Wolfman is is Lon Chaney Jr. And so you've got this this really interesting continuum of the universal monsters. But they all kind of come from different places. The Frankenstein monster is uh, arguably, you know, it's science gone wrong. It's one of the original sort of the hubris of man kind of stories. Um, right. Whereas Dracula is very supernatural, is, he's a vampire, he's like this invading other. Uh, who's coming from from someplace else and is is entering into the the western usually the western white world uh, the wolfman is very much about the internal monster so the bringing out of this violence and anger and um, and aggressiveness and then some of the others like the invisible man the invisible man is interesting I think because it uh, it's similar to Frankenstein in the sense that it's someone who thinks he's doing good 
and then actually begins to go crazy because uh, of because of his because he decides to make himself invisible and he like goes insane with power essentially. Um, so what do you think about these, Karen? Like the Universal monsters are are classic. I mean, I think that most people have at least seen the original Frankenstein, the original Dracula. Mm -hmm. uh, but have you, so like, what about the wolf man or the invisible man are those that you're into? Like, I love this shit. So, <laughs> oh yeah, I think these are great. It's actually, it's really fun to note that, um, Peacock has, I think most of these right now available on their free level. So you don't even have to pay. Frankenstein is yeah. on the premium only, but, um, but I actually just was rewatching Dracula last night. Um, I haven't seen it in years and I was like, oh, what the heck? I'll just turn it on. And um, the quality is good. So it was, it was fun and, and just scrolling through and seeing what they have available. So I think it's cool that, that um, Peacock, which is owned by NBC Universal, uh, has, made, has made these films available to, to folks to find and, and discover now that maybe never had the chance. But I think that what's... Um, what's really important and why these films are so significant is, is exactly what you were saying. Like when you think of Frankenstein, when you think of Dracula, you're thinking of these very specific people, Lon Chaney, Bela Lugosi, um, uh, my brain. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. Boris, Boris Karloff. Boris thank Karloff, you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But you're thinking of these very specific looks. It's not even necessarily the actors themselves who portray them. You're thinking of like Dracula with the flat head. And, I mean, Frankenstein with the flat head and the bolts in his neck or whatever. And um, just the way that we imagine or the way that we understand that they're supposed to look now, you know, part of the reason people were all upset about Twilight one of the reasons is the whole like they don't actually die in sunlight they sparkle it's like no that's not how vampires are supposed to work you know and it's because of of things that obviously because of books but also so much of what we have uh come to accept in pop culture um the lore of these monsters comes from these universal versions of them from the 1930s yeah, and I, I mean, most of the ones that we're talking about are based on books. So Frankenstein and Dracula are both, are both based on books. Um, mm -hmm. Phantom of the Opera, which is, Phantom of the Opera, I feel like always gets this like secondary <laughs> position as, oh, oh yeah, and also the, that guy. Um, well, it's such an interesting version of that yeah. story. And it's yeah. so different from other, like any other version. I think, I think especially in the case of that one, most people just know the, the musical. <laughs> Yeah, that's Which is true. Not at all the same story. That's true. And then, and then you've got the Invisible Man, uh, which is based on an H.G. Wells story. So I think of all of these, I think that the only two that are not directly based on books, they're based more on ideas or concepts or kind of legends, are the Wolfman and the Mummy. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I just, just to say something about Dracula, Dracula is, is really interesting to me, um, partially because I fucking love Dracula. Um, but I love the book, but uh, what's interesting about the 1931 film is that the 1931 film is actually based on a stage play, uh, which, um, which Bela Lugosi appeared in. So you've got this very interesting trajectory from Dracula the novel, which is a very complicated book. It has, you know, it has some of the same characters, um, but it's, it has all these, these different characters that kind of 
with intertwining stories that then finally come together and discover basically that they're being pursued by this, this supernatural vampire. Um, and the stage play is much more, it's much more single set or, you know, a couple of sets. So you've got Dracula's castle and you've basically got like the drawing room uh, of, of the, the, the London characters. And, and it's much more mannered, right? So we get this view of Dracula. In, in the original book, like Dracula transforms into a wolf. He transforms into a bat. He's kind of gross. He's like presented as being this sort of lordly count. But the way that he's described um, when, he's at, when he's drunk blood is that he's, he's like got these very full red lips and like piercing eyes and like, there's, there's this sense that he's not particularly an attractive character. He's got this long mustache. And part of what is happening is that uh, Stoker is, is basing the characterization on the images of, of uh, Vlad Dracul, who was, you know, the basis of Dracula. Vlad the Impaler. Yeah, in, in the broadest possible sense in oh, right. terms of that. Um, <laughs> Which, honestly, he, why, are, why is there not a movie about him specifically? I think that story is crazy fascinating. Yeah, there have been a few that have sort of tried to do it, but they always kind of wander off on tangents. Yeah. Um, and, and, like, try to do, like, oh, we, we're going to somehow propose that he's also a vampire. It's just like, no, just tell the story of this Romanian count. Yeah, the real story is crazy. <laughs> yeah, he's actually really interesting. Uh-huh. Um, but so, so Lugosi's performance, right, is this very mannered kind of foreign aristocrat. Uh, he's got this very thick accent that, you know, is, is almost unidentifiable. Lugosi himself is actually Hungarian, but the way that he speaks on screen is very measured and almost stilted in places, partially because he's struggling with English. Right. Um, but, but so it's, it's hard almost to identify him. And he kind of, he's the progenitor of a lot of those unidentifiable Eastern European accents that pop up in a lot of monster movies um, to this very day. But Lugosi's version of Dracula is so different from the original um, from the original book, even though it's got this very sharp sort of descendant from uh, from the book. And meanwhile, then you've got Frankenstein, which is just totally off the wall. Like it's like <laughs> that has nothing to do, almost nothing to do with what actually happens in Mary Shelley's book. Mm -hmm. um, but, but it's interesting the way that those icons kind of develop because these guys are iconic. Like, you know, as we're saying, when we think of Dracula, that's who we are thinking of. Um, despite all of the different permutations of vampires that we've had since, there's, we always kind of go back to this concept of this very mannered, attractive, uh, fascinating foreign gentleman, basically, who, mm -hmm. you know, wants to drink your blood. Right. Uh, so... One of the things that, that we want to talk about a little bit is that there's a lot of overlap between monster movies, between what we're considering to be monster movies and supernatural, right? So when you talk about Dracula, we're talking about a supernatural character, right? He's a vampire. So yeah. he's this other thing. He's not, he used to be human, but he's not really human. The Frankenstein monster is a, is a creature that has been made out of other, of dead body parts, right? Um, so these are, Fair, same thing with the Wolfman. These are fairly supernatural characters, uh, but we don't really consider they're they're not ghost stories, but they have kind of overlaps with with ghost stories. So, did you want to talk a little bit about that, Karen? Yeah. Well, according to my uh, textbook, because I'm taking a chemistry class this uh, this 
semester just for fun because um, I am a nerd and I decided to embrace it. But anyway, um, but yeah, it's funny because in the in one of the chapters in my book, like in the first chapter, it's talking about science and the scientific method and everything. And it's specifically, I didn't pull it up to have it, but it specifically mentions the supernatural and it talks about how that is things that cannot be explained by the natural world um, or are they contain elements that are um, I'm trying to think exactly how it how it defined it, but it was basically just that it contains elements that are um, beyond the beyond the natural observation of the world, something like that. Which is where things like Dracula and Frankenstein come in, but it also includes things like ghost stories, the which gets into the paranormal, um, which is a whole other fun avenue to to talk about but um but yeah i think what uh what is worth exploring in this conversation is is how ghost stories are similar and how they're different to movies like frankenstein or dracula or, or other vampire and and monster stories like um uh usually it's you know, there's something, <laughs> there's something strange in the neighborhood, um, <laughs> but there's something weird going on. And sometimes it takes a while to like, kind of, <laughs> And who are you going to call? <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so it, it takes a bit to really like figure out what's going on. If you even can figure out what's going on, because there isn't necessarily a logical explanation for things um there's an element of danger particularly in when it gets into like possession stories those kinds of things mm -hmm. um and so i don't know i just i think it's it's uh i think it's a fun not really a side topic but where do we put ghost stories in the world of monster movies do they really fit or do they not are they completely their own separate thing i think that they are uh parallel yeah I, they definitely have a relationship you know when you int introduced this i was just like well how does that really fit but just just in in thinking about it some more um one so one of the things about both monster movies and ghost stories is a part of the initial tension of the stories depends upon people not believing in them Mm -hmm. um, and so part of the initial tension of Dracula is not really, you know, the monster of Dracula, but the fact that people do not believe that Dracula exists right. and that that's part of what gives him his power. And it's a similar thing with ghost stories is that a lot of the argument that happens in the early parts of a ghost story or in a haunted house story, you know, is this finding a rational explanation for something that does not have a rational explanation. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's this tension between what people actually believe and and what the reality is, right? And so you've got these different stories that sometimes go to the side of actually there are no ghosts, there's a totally rational explanation for what's happening. And more often go to the side of there are ghosts, but they also obey their own particular rules. Yeah. Um, and I think that that kind of, that relates to monsters in a certain sense because all you know most monsters most of the ones that we're talking about are coming out of something human made right um their their human psychology is sort of being projected uh, in a in a larger sense they're um and, we're, and we'll get to talk about some other films like the wolfman or uh, forbidden planet 
where it's, it's quite literally monsters being formed out of human psychology. Uh, you know, and then you've got others that are the result of, of science, right? Science doing something that science should not do. So things like Frankenstein and the Invisible Man um, are about scientists going too far. And, but both of them have their roots, right, in, in humanity and in what human beings do to each other. And it's the same thing with a lot of ghost stories. A lot of ghost stories are about wronged people who are coming back to take vengeance or are returning, you know, or are haunting homes or things like that um because they because they're they're upset because they were murdered or they committed suicide or something like that or simply that they're lost like that was one of that's one of the big things in poltergeist and poltergeist 2 um especially it it gets explored in poltergeist 2 is the fact that um these these beings these these ghosts these spirits lock onto this little girl because she has the ability to, um, well, she can sense them and she can communicate with them in ways that the rest of her family can't, the way that anybody else around, any other humans can't for lots of reasons. I mean, there are all kinds of stories about how kids can channel stuff that grownups can't. And it's probably because there's less um, barriers to belief and stuff. But um, like, the doors are more open for children but yeah i mean um, i mean you can talk about all these issues of like possession films very often right. involve children so mm-hmm. the exorcist um uh I, i'm blanking on it but there's another one that is also it's a child it's basically a child being possessed um hunting in connecticut I think oh yeah 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 mm-hmm which is supposed to be based on a true story or whatever, but, um, <laughs> they always are. So is the exorcist. Right, yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But, um, but yeah. And, and I think that especially like in, in, in the first poltergeist movie, we don't really get a lot into specifically how Carol Ann gets taken and why, um, we know what happens while she's on the other side and what they're doing with her there and why she's there, but we don't really understand how it happens. But in Poltergeist 2, it really gets into, specifically, it, it really talks about that she just has this this presence about her. It's not just because their house happens to be built on a graveyard, but these spirits are specifically drawn to to her and they need her and they are attached to her and um which is especially with that preacher guy in the second one it is kind of monstrous there too but um but yeah i just i think that oh stuff with kids is so creepy (laughs) it's like extra (laughs) creepy when it when it involves children you know well it's that it is that combination that that sort of sense of innocence i think and and also innocence but also like you're saying there there is and i think this goes back to at least the victorians this idea of children children and animals uh often having a deeper connection to the spirit the spirit world as it were mm-hmm. um than adults do and i some of the theories you know and if you look if you go back to some of the spiritualism of the the um the, particularly the late 19th century a lot of the theories that because they are actually closer to closer to death in its own way because they've recently been born so they've been closer to the the other world uh than adults so they haven't put up the same kinds of barriers mm-hmm. um so you know there's always this idea that children could see fairies children could see ghosts uh you know we still talk about animals being able to see ghosts cats seeing ghosts 
um, stuff like that. But I think it's interesting in, some, in terms of something like Poltergeist that it's not so much that these are evil right. ghosts, right? There, there is in Poltergeist, if I remember correctly, there is like one that's holding them back. There's like an evil yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ghosts themselves are not particularly evil. They, they, like you're they're saying, they're lost. lost. Yeah. But they're also angry because you've got this violation of their world based upon um, the the building of the the uh, the development mm-hmm. on space that it should not have been built on. And so that kind of attaches itself in its own way to this idea of, of humanity gone wrong or science gone wrong. True. That we're that the the human world is invading a space that you're not supposed to be invading Mm -hmm. uh and as a result you're pushing it to the point that it's actually becoming dangerous and you're inviting these spirits into a world that they should not be a part of um i think one of the one of the films that i love that um i think explores this a lot is is the haunting which is the the 1962 62 64 film uh, based on Shirley Jackson's *The Haunting of Hill House*. Is that the Vincent Price one? No, I get all those movies mixed. That up. is that is yeah, that's confusing. It's, <laughs> that is *House on Haunted Hill*. Okay. <laughs> the haunting is is a it's a different the haunting thing. of Hill House. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the haunting of Hill House and the film that uh, the the title of the film itself is *The Haunting*. Right. Um, yeah, it's very confusing. But the whole idea with that is that it's an evil house, right? Mm-hmm. That that the house itself is sick in some way. It's not the ghosts that inhabit it, it's the house. Um, But a lot of the film is actually about the scientific exploration of can we prove that ghosts exist or, uh, and what you find find out throughout the film uh, is that part of the investigation is is essentially, can we create mass hysteria? Mm -hmm. Can we create a, you know, does the atmosphere of the house actually affect the people who are in it and make them experience things that are not actually happening or that seem like they're happening you know where does the supernatural and and the natural overlap yeah um and and how can you measure it how can you prove it and you get that a little bit in poltergeist as well with the paranormal investigation you get that mm-hmm. in ghostbusters with sort of trying to take science and applying it to the investigation of something that isn't necessarily scientific but might right. be but you don't know you know right. is this a result of human psychology is this a result of human interference is mm-hmm. this you know quote real ghosts if they are real ghosts what does that actually mean right which is one of the things that i loved about and i don't mean to turn this all into a ghost episode but um that's one of the things that i loved about the early episodes or early seasons of the show ghost hunters because there are so many paranormal shows on tv and most of them are like oh i heard a noise it's ghosts definitely ghosts the only explanation um but what i loved about ghost hunters was you had this group that was started by two guys who were literally plumbers they worked for rotor roto rooter and they had this group they would go and investigate these these situations that were potentially haunted definitely stuff was was weird but because of their experience and knowing like oh this is the sound of an of a unsecured pipe or oh that's the noise that's going to happen when you've got roots in your system or things like that they were able to give logical explanations to people that really were afraid and they were able to say like these are the things that are really going on 
when they couldn't find a logical explanation for it, then they would say, hmm, this is something interesting that you might want to know about. We couldn't find a reason why this voice sounded here or whatever. And it was great because they went into it, they approached it from the perspective of, we're going to try to prove that it is not something supernatural. And it just made a lot more sense. It was a good way of looking at it. And, and yeah, so that's why m movies like Ghostbusters um, and that section of Poltergeist are really interesting because they do take a different approach to these just stories. Like, Whereas The Conjuring, you have these two people who are registered as demonologists and they go in there fully with the expectation this is haunted. The only way to deal with it is through additional like supernatural abilities and, and gifts and yeah. that kind of thing. So it's, it's a totally different approach, but... Um, but but even even with something like the conjuring, there is this scientific element to it in that True. there are there are rules that the supernatural world world functions by. And and in fact, you know, in talking about horror generally, we often talk about the rules. What are the rules of the story? Uh, and and it is this almost scientific establishment of so ghosts behave in a certain way, and they behave in a certain way because of X, and so we can measure their presence or we cannot measure their presence. We can know how to respond to them based upon this kind of interesting blending of science and 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 belief and uh, and occult understanding and like all of that stuff. So it, it they have even with the conjuring there is this almost scientific approach with as you're saying with the assumption that it's ghosts so that right. it's paranormal <laughs> in some way right mm -hmm. um the other film that i just wanted to cite really quickly because i saw it two years ago i think and i'm not certain if it's still available on shutter but it is a great film and i really want people to watch it is ghost watch the uh, the 1992, it's a 1992 British mockumentary. It was one of those that actually had kind of a War of the Worlds impact in that uh, it was aired, I don't, I'm not certain if it was aired on Halloween, but it was near Halloween. And it's presented as a news report, this like news story about going into this house and these in paranormal investigators uh, looking into this, this potential haunting of this house. But it's, it's treated as a documentary film and uh and people actually bought it people believed that this was real um <laughs> because it also featured a number of real newscasters who were newscasters for the bbc playing themselves oh my gosh that's amazing so it is a great film it is it's very well done and you can you can really see why this it's like a 1992 film so you can also see why people might have tuned into this and been like, oh my God, what's happening? Because <laughs> they, they pull it off really, really well. It's a, it's a great movie, but it's a similar thing to like The Conjuring um, or to the, the sequences in Poltergeist where you've got, you know, basically news reporters and paranormal investigators going in to this house that is supposed to be haunted and investigating this haunting and then, you know, all hell breaks loose eventually. Uh, yeah, it's it's a great it's a great movie. I really recommend it. Uh. That's awesome. But yeah, what you were talking about with the rules, I think that's one of the things that's interesting about um, monster movies in general is, um, and that's one of the reasons that they work is that there are rules. There are ways to stop these monsters. Um, there's always some, even if it's not like a 
like, oh, well, we can just explain it away rationally. There's always some way that you can stop the danger, stop the threat. Um, whether that's driving a stake through the heart of a vampire, shooting a werewolf with a silver bullet, or performing an exorcism to get rid of ghosts. Yeah. Like, whatever it is, there's always some way that you can deal with the danger. Yeah, which is, I think, always makes it kind of interesting because, and we talked about franchises, but a lot of these developed into franchises. So particularly with the Frankenstein movies, they had to figure out ways of bringing back the Frankenstein monster so many times. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, and and the original Frankenstein movies actually are, uh, at least, for, so Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, Son of Frankenstein, Ghost of Frankenstein, and then I think House of Frankenstein, which is sort of, semi-related and also um frankenstein versus the wolfman uh is uh, frankenstein meets the wolfman something like that anyways uh but so in in each of those films there's actually an explanation as to how the monster survives to the next movie or how the monster is like you know they there's there's a lot of finding the body of the monster buried underneath the rubble kind of thing and we're going to bring him back to life and so you've got on the one hand you have these rules about killing these monsters and how they can be killed and how they cannot be killed but then when you're you're dealing with the franchise when you're dealing with these iconic monsters you have to also have a way to bring them back mm -hmm. um so 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 actually you can bring <laughs> dracula back by you know summoning his spirit from beyond the grave it happens all the time in the uh in the hammer dracula films they keep on bringing dracula back from the dead even though he dies at the end of every single goddamn movie <laughs> and they're like yeah. satanic rituals we're gonna bring dracula back we're gonna pull the stake out of his heart we're going to you know in one, he bursts into flames and falls over a cliff and somehow manages to survive. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. I don't know. It's, it's always really interesting. But so in, in terms of, we're talking about this relationship between the supernatural and science. And a lot of these, um, a lot of the monsters, particularly in the 1950s uh, and then later, even into today, uh, were really, are, really are the result of science gone wrong. Right. So we've got movies like The Fly, where you have a scientist who is messing around in uh, in something that's fascinating, but is also incredibly dangerous. And ultimately, it, it destroys him. It turns him into a half man, half fly. Uh, when you get to something like the, the Keiju movies, so like Godzilla and Mothra and those kinds of films, um, you're getting into science not just science, but a particular kind of science, nuclear science, mm -hmm. uh, which is creating these, these abominations basically, or waking up these abominations, right. um, who then return to kind of wreak havoc. And it ver is very much this, this kind of externalization of nuclear anxiety. And it, of course it's interesting and people talk about it all the time, that these, a lot of these films originate in, um, in Japan, which of course had its own very specific experience of nuclear holocaust. Um, and, and, but even in, a, in the United States, we have that similar sense of nuclear anxiety, a atomic age monsters basically, mm -hmm. uh, which are these, these monstrosities that are created out of something that is natural. So the gigantic ants in them. There's a, a really bad movie called Beginning of the End that is, it's gigantic grasshoppers. <laughs> um, that sounds fun. 
it's it's a terrible movie but but there are a lot of those movies you know there's like the giant gila monster and Mm -hmm. yeah there are a lot of those from especially from like the 50s yeah after like you alluded to after the world had seen for itself (laughs) what nuclear warfare could do um and but also what nuclear power and nuclear energy could do but how we need to rein that in and be really careful of it and so as a result there's a rise of all of these um mutant radioactive like creatures and and stuff like that was kind of the rise of the creature feature yeah yeah basically science gone wrong or or Mm -hmm. i i'm referring to it as big thingy movies yes uh i like it big i I will say this, I refuse to call them creature features now. I'm just, they're just going to be big thingy movies. Um, <laughs> but so it, it is this, this monstrosity is this externalization of, of fear, right? Mm-hmm. And, and of specific, a very specific type of fear. So we don't really get that kind of, that kind of movie much anymore. Although there are things like Pacific Rim and stuff like that, which are much more... I, I would hesitate even to to call something like Pacific Rim a horror film or a monster movie. I think you could call it a monster movie. I think, um, but but I think even that, yeah, like most people would classify it. I'm sure it's it's probably genre identified as something else, like action adventure or something like yeah. that, sci-fi. Um, but I think it I think it fits somewhat at least into the realm of of the monster movie just because of the fact that you are facing like people are going up against some actual real creatures it's like with cloverfield you know that's Mm -hmm. uh somehow or other whether they came from space or woke up from the bottom of the sea like they are here now and but i think that's one of the things about these types of movies this sort of like subgenre of of these monster movies is um just what we were talking about with movies like godzilla with um king kong stuff like that yeah it's it's um it's usually something that's brought on by man like by what men by scientists what they have done or drilling too deep into the ocean or yeah. going where we don't belong and that's where we can have a whole extra conversation about alien movies and that whole um subset there too but uh but yeah it's it's this um it's man versus nature but it's usually nature fighting back and i think that there are some roots in those types of movies too mary shelley's frankenstein which is yeah. where the the creature the thing the guy the whatever the monster comes after the person that created it but also a lot of other innocent bystanders get in the middle of that um and that's where you get some of these these like godzilla destroying an entire city or dinosaurs attacking san diego or whatever you know (laughs) yeah it's it's that you know human beings have having interfered in nature Uh in this case and there Um, are consequences there are always consequences and so you either create or wake up this 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 older form of nature that is actually very dangerous to us 
and, and it is interesting that these kinds of films particularly begin to gain in prominence in the 1950s, um, which is obviously post, post the atomic bomb, but also the, the kind of the beginning of the atomic age and this worship on the one hand of nuclear power and nuclear energy. And on the other hand, this understanding of the, its immense destructive power. And so it's interesting that then in something so incredibly scientific where we also turn around and, and you know, treat of these natural things that become suddenly unnatural, right? They, they, become, our, they become threats. Uh, to human beings. We stop being apex predators at a certain point. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's just like yeah. these, Godzilla can eat all of us. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Right. But again, just like anything else and just like what makes these movies work, there is a way to stop him. Even if it doesn't involve like permanently killing him, even if there's a way that he could come back, there's always some way that these threats can be immobilized yeah uh, so, well let's let's talk a little bit about alien horror films because i that that fits into these kind of this idea of the mm -hmm. monster movies because very often alien horror films do take place on earth there are a few that do not which we will discuss in a minute um but that's so that then becomes this invasion from outside right right so it's not necessarily anything that um you know a lot of the films that we're talking about it's something that human beings have done and interfered with that mm -hmm. result in either the creation of monsters or the sort of appearance of the monsters. Um, with something like alien films, it's very external, right? So it's an invasion often. We're just uh, sitting here and they showed up. <laughs> and some, uh, you know, and it, it depends sometimes because sometimes it's human beings poking sticks into things that they shouldn't be poking sticks into. Mm -hmm. uh, and, but so you get something like um, Day of the Triffids or uh, one of my favorites because it's a terrible, terrible movie, but the monsters are great, uh, is <laughs> Fiend Without a Face, which is not so weird. That one. <laughs> Fiend Without a Face uh, is, I, I think it's like just over an hour it's a late fifties film and the monsters are like these brains attached to spinal cords that like crawl along the ground. Um, and, but you can't see them. Like there's a specific oh, way man. that you can see them. So they they keep on going around killing people basically. <laughs> uh, and, and you're like, what the hell is killing all these people? And then you, then they finally figure it out and everything. But they're, they're great. They're great. I love being without a face. Um, <laughs> But so again, so War of the Worlds, right? Where you've got mm -hmm. this alien invasion that then, uh, or invasion of the body snatchers is another one. So it's these alien invasions that's coming from outside. And Independence Day. Yeah. Mars Attacks and, even. I love Mars Attacks. I do too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and well, that's the other thing. A lot of these are B films, right? Mm -hmm. These are not, you know, these are not even the quality of Godzilla. These are like, you know, B, D, Z movies about, you know, these weird alien creatures that come to attack. Right. Uh, and, and they take different forms, but, but so, yeah, it's this external invasion, whereas so much of, uh, so much of the other horror films are something that we as human beings have done wrong, have interfered with and have created. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I, again, I think that it does kind of speak to some of the fears, particularly in the periods that they become more popular in. So they became very popular uh, in, the, in the 1950s and 60s, which is understandable given the Cold War. Um, and then they became popular again when you get films like John Carpenter's The Thing. 
So right. I know that you wanted to talk a little bit about that. It has been a long time, I admit, since we saw the thing. But the thing is interesting because it, it almost combines a number of these things. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's a remake of The Thing from Another World um, from the 50s. But I think it's the 50s. I don't know. But um, but it does such a good job of, of becoming its own thing. <laughs> um, sorry but uh it's early (laughs) thank you it's early here Uh, no it's not it's 10 a.m but um anyway uh but yeah no i i think that's what's so great about that movie is it has the feeling of paranormal but it's also definitely an alien movie but it's also very much that like is all this really happening or is there some other explanation for it and of course, if you see the movie, you know that there is no other explanation. It is some kind of alien, like, creature takeover type of, of story. But the way that it, it plays out, the way, that, um, the way that Carpenter ramps up the tension, the way that the actors just kind of disappear one by one, or you don't know who is really themselves and who's been kind of taken over. Is there just one creature? Or are there multiple? Like, what's really going on? And I love, oh man, I love that movie. I think it's playing on either Stars or Showtime right now. Oh, I need to watch it again today. That one's a good one. Um, but yeah, I think that, um, I mean, in that movie, well, in in the John Carpenter version, I think maybe in both versions, it's this group of scientists at this, like, Arctic outpost so they're way isolated from civilization they're in the middle of like a blizzard or whatever at least the weather conditions are really cold and 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 terrible and so they all have to kind of stay inside but that that just is part of what leads to this building of this tension is not only are you in danger from this unknown creature but you're in danger from the weather from the elements too and as people go off like they don't want to all go outside together because they could freeze to death you know there's just so many so many different elements that just all come together in this one movie that um it's just it's so fun and there's sort of it it really does blend a lot of horror elements together too there's sort of like a final girl type of thing there um no not a girl but uh but you know that that idea too and there's you know whenever there's a dog you're always like is the dog gonna get it (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh poor puppy but um but yeah I I think that's a really fun um blending of lots of different parts of these different subgenres that we're talking about yeah that's true it it really does bring together a whole bunch of different things uh (laughs) as it were um to that that are are very connected to everything uh Mm -hmm. So it's so and, and also that that sensation of interfering in some place that you shouldn't be interfering. So though they basically bring back this alien creature, right. Right? Right, right? And they don't know what it is and they don't really necessarily mean to do it, but it still creates havoc. And it's also about lack of trust, right? So the whole most of the tension or a lot of the tension of that film is when they begin to figure out what's going on and people are transforming. They like you say, they don't know who is themselves and who isn't and it 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 turns into this sense of you know i don't trust my neighbor because he might be infected 
um it's that kind of thing and then it, it devolves yeah. yeah it evolves from there there's also you know like you're saying the final girl but that that sense of isolation mm-hmm. um there's no place that they can run to basically they can't they can't leave right they're in the middle of the arctic they are very limited about where they could go or what they could possibly do they're, and so they're very isolated from the rest of humanity and it, it it does create this sense of desperation and like you know what do we essentially how do we survive this if we survive it at all um yeah yeah it's it's a it's a fascinating film it is streaming on showtime and it's very similar actually to alien mm-hmm. um in in the sense that you know when we talked about alien last week is alien a slasher movie uh so let's talk about alien again is alien a monster movie <laughs> Yes. And yeah, and I, would, no. <laughs> I would definitely say that, that it comes a lot closer to, to a monster movie than, than to a slasher film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, but well, and it's not supernatural because it's a real physical creature that exists somewhere out. In, I mean, not real yeah. in our actual universe, but in the rules of the, the universe of Alien, it's a physical being that just exists on another planet or world or something yeah know? it's it's a natural creature it, yes. and it has and it also has its own rules and what it can do and what it can't do and why it's doing what it does and, and it does feed into that that idea that i was talking about a few minutes ago of human beings no longer being apex predators mm-hmm. or being threatened by predators that are much stronger than we are right, right. And, and that's what happens in in alien the creature essentially begins hunting them Right. After it has basically become a prisoner of theirs, whether they intended that or not, that is at least how the, how the alien reacts to the situation is like, I mean, if you woke up on a spaceship, would you not start freaking out and like (laughs) trying to get away? (laughs) It's not. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, There there is, you could retelling alien from the aliens picture just like what the hell is happening where's mom (laughs) there i was just minding my own business waiting to be born (laughs) and and it reacts as as you're saying it reacts as a natural creature you know it does what animals do it it tries to escape it tries to you know judge who is a threat and who isn't it is a predator and so it has to eat you know all of those things that it does that we consider very frightening and very evil right they're just like well it's kind of behaving as you would expect an alien animal would actually Mm -hmm. um but so i think that this goes into more big thingy movies uh there there was at least for a while there was this this um uh new sort of subgenre coming about of of like really big predatory animals so <laughs> movies like anaconda or um uh, lake placid or crawl right which is one of the most recent ones that we could talk about um which sort of has its its beginnings in you know what i'm referring to as big thingy movies but these these animals right who are behaving like animals behave mm-hmm. only they're massive which means that they're going after human beings right yeah well they are um in the cases of movies like anaconda or crawl um these are well especially crawl i can i think i can speak the best about that one because that's the one i've seen the most recently but um but like those are alligators that just kind of like took up residence in 
this guy's basement, you know. Um, so they're kind of invading human space and then they're mad when they get found. But, <laughs> but, uh, um, but a lot of these movies, it starts off as humans, whether intentionally or not, kind of passing through the animals habitat and then they become the target because these animals are so large and so able to become the hunter instead of the hunted um but it it always it, these types of movies tend to always start with humans being invaders in some way or another in the first place yeah and i mean in something like crawl so first first of all everybody should have evacuated um mm-hmm. second of all like the the alligators if i remember correctly come from a farm right they're they're from a farm that had overflowed during Um, the hurricane maybe but i think there's one point where she is trying to get out of the crawl space and she discovers like eggshells so they had been there a long time like they clearly had been there before the the hurricane that's right they had like laid eggs in Uh one of the underwater pipes yeah um and but even then that's there's still this the there is i think a a sense of human invasion of animal Mm -hmm. space and then the animals invading human space and sort of reacting to it and in that situation just like well the animals might not sorry well that whole area i think the implication is that it had all been swampland at some point so yeah so to drain it and build it up for humans was the first invasion in any way yeah, yeah. The the animals were there first, and you know, when you talk about particularly reptiles, things like alligators and crocodiles, like these are direct descendants of dinosaurs. They're like they have yeah. been around for <laughs> millions of years, and they will probably be around for millions of years more. Um, yeah. These so yeah, so, your twenty I, years of development doesn't undo sixty million years of evolution. <laughs> yeah, and and they are they're pretty vicious predators and so what they see when they see you know human beings swimming around just like "Mm, food you know that and that's a pretty natural animal reaction to Mm -hmm. this you know nice fleshy creatures that have very (laughs) few natural defenses like all right yeah um but it's interesting that now in in like fairly recently we're getting to to do those kinds of films again um, because, you know, they kind of got popular again in the 90s, so, so stuff like Anaconda or Lake Placid, and Lake Placid is, like, literally a gigantic crocodile, I think, or alligator. Uh, <laughs> that was Lake the movie Placid. where I first heard Betty White say the F word. <laughs> <laughs> in Lake Placid, I was always weirded out by that. It's just like, I'm pretty positive that's not possible. Um... <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, like, and so they, these were kind of popular in the 90s, but they were treated he- almost humorously. I mean, Lake Placid is, is sort of a humorous throwback. Yeah, it's very campy and, yeah. Uh, Crawl is not. Mm-mm. Crawl is very much a horror film and, and a survival film, and it's a, it's a very good one. But I think that it's interesting that, you know, I do sort of wonder what it says about, um, about our current fears, that this is one of the things that is beginning to gain prominence again. We're, we're also making more Godzilla movies. Yeah, uh, which I think going by just thinking about where we're at in in um, our society, our sociological and developmental um, um, just 
just what we're doing with the world around us. I mean, one of the things that keeps happening here in California um, is that as housing developments move up into the hills more and more because we're running out of space in the cities, um, you're getting more of just, just regular animals roaming the street, you know, or whatever. And it's not because the animals are lost, it's because they've been intentionally moved to other places. They've been relocated and they're coming into the neighborhoods that used to be theirs, you know? And so we have a lot of like bears showing up in backyard pools or snakes on people's front yard, front porches, that kinds of thing that kind of thing happening a lot mountain lions all over the place and so i think just like what you're seeing with the movie crawl where it's you know a, a housing development where it used to be just you know free space for alligators is now taken over by humans and i think that's part of why we're seeing more and more of these movies why we will be seeing more of these movies is because as we keep spreading out um in certain parts of the country and in, in other parts of the world too, um, we are seeing these types of things happen in real life. And then of course that'll translate into something more fantastical in the movies. Yeah, no, that makes, that makes absolute sense. And it, it also makes sense uh, in terms of something like crawl where the, the kind of catalyst for it is, is a hurricane. Mm -hmm. um, which of course we've, we've been seeing a lot of in recent years and is definitely something that we're certainly afraid of uh, in terms of when we're talking about things on the coast. So there's this combination of, it, it is that man versus nature kind of thing, but it's, it's nature, not really even nature fighting back, but nature doing what nature does. Yeah. Without, so, you know, I, I think that it's interesting that we, these films often establish the sense of malice, that the animals are being deliberately nasty Mm -hmm. but i i don't i but at the same time when you you take a step back and you look at them like like with alien you're like well imagine that you were those animals right, right? imagine that you were this and you're suddenly like i'm like in someone's basement and i don't know where <laughs> i'm supposed to go and like i'm hungry and again you know i'm a predator oh there's this this soft fleshy thing <laughs> yeah. that looks really tasty like why would i not eat it because i'm a fucking alligator you know i mean when the alligator jumps up and eats the sheriff's deputy who just opened a door that there's you know <laughs> <laughs> i mean i think at some point the alligators just decided we live here now and fuck you <laughs> But yeah, it, there are arguments to be had over whether that's fair or not. <laughs> I don't know. I know. I do know that alligators <laughs> swim around with their with their baby alligators sitting on their heads. So I I kind of go like, oh, they're just being <laughs> just being dinosaurs. That's yep. really all. <laughs> and just like if you were an alligator, you would eat us too. Um, oh, I definitely would. Definitely. <laughs> like, mm, Sheriff deputy sounds great. <laughs> so that's one place to close it out so i think that we should close this up by talking about uh what are some of our favorite monster movies so what like what is like one of your favorite monster movies just of all of the, the ones that we've been discussing um well I, I or ones that we haven't yeah well i mean we kind of talked about this last week but i think one of my very favorites is jaws and I know we discussed last week whether that's a monster movie or a slasher movie, and I still consider that 
a monster movie. Um, big thingy movie. Yes, it is. Because that's a big ass shark. Um, but I love that. I really love... Um, uh, I think that I am cooling off a little bit on them, but I really like the Cloverfield films. I think they're fun and interesting. Um because of the way that those stories are told and the perspectives that you get and how each one of them is so different from the others. Um, and one that we didn't talk about at all, the zombie genre. I love zombie movies. Um, Night of the Living Dead is great. I love 28 Days Later. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. Dawn of the Dead is is fun. So I, I, I like those too. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with many of this. I'm honestly not a big fan of zombie movies. I, I didn't think I was. And then I started re-watching some of the older ones, and I was just like, oh, actually, I do like these. They're a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, I like Night of the Living Dead. I think it's a good film. Um, I, I like a lot of them, but I'm just not, like, if, if you were to ask me what kind of was my favorite subgenre of horror films or something like that, I that would not be something I would go for. I don't go for those kinds of films immediately. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that Jaws is just great. Um, in terms of some of my favorite monster movies, I love Bride of Frankenstein, uh, which is just such a weird little movie. Uh, it it, it goes into one, yeah. it goes into such weird places. It's also interesting because it is it's a direct sequel to the original Frankenstein. And I think that a lot of people don't notice that because it it's picks it literally picks up right where the the last one left off. Mm -hmm. um and you know it explains just like ah but he actually survived <laughs> yep the windmill burning down <laughs> um i love that i love dracula you know a lot of the dracula films daughter of dracula is a really interesting movie uh daughter of dracula it's either daughter of dracula or dracula's daughter i can't remember which one but that's also like an actual direct sequel mm -hmm. uh it picks up where the last one left off um you know, I, what else do I love? Uh, we didn't mention King Kong. I do dig King Kong. King Kong is, is kind of one of the original big thingy movies. <laughs> um, you know, love the, I love all of the original uh, universal monsters. Dracula, Frankenstein, the Wolfman, the Mummy. They're so fun, yeah. Phantom of the Opera, the Invisible Man. Uh, and some of it, honestly, I think it's because they're pre-code films. And so they're really, really weird. Mm -hmm. and very indulgent in their weirdness and, and extreme in a certain sense uh so yeah there there's so many good films from this genre and as we're saying that this genre is very expansive you can put a lot under the monster movie umbrella yeah um which i quite like i i really like a lot of movies that are like um like certain, not all, but certain vampire movies are a lot of fun. And of course, as we mentioned before, they get their roots from Dracula, but they become something very different. You know, Interview with a Vampire is a very different movie from like um, uh, Let, Let Me In or uh, those are both different from Fright Night. You know, like there's just all these different types of movies that are all inspired by this this one type of creature. But they, like some of them are funny and some of them are very serious and some of them are dramatic and others are, are horror and scary. And it's just, it's so interesting how you can have so much, uh, so much different stuff to say with one type of creature. And we see that with all of these. 
types of movies. Yeah, and and it's it's interesting how the how these things, like you say, they grow out of um, original films, and they like just sort of spiral out into the universe, and they become mm-hmm. stranger and stranger. But you but you still have these particular tropes. You recognize it when you see it. Yeah. And uh, and that's one of the fun things about genre films generally and about horror in particular, that you have, um, you, you kind of know what you're looking for. And then it's also a lot of fun when the films turn around and, and undercut your expectations or subvert things uh, and kind of alter the way that maybe you approach these monsters. So again, I would love to see a version of Alien told from the perspective of, a- of the alien. Uh- <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> but also, this is one of the things, just shout out again to Shudder, who is not sponsoring this podcast, but they should. Um, <laughs> but that's one of the things I love about the way that they are set up, is that if you scroll through their list of movies, they've got it divided by, like, oh, here are all these, like, you can just look at everything they have just in one spot. But if you're, I really am in the mood for a supernatural movie. I'm really in the mood for a for a slasher movie i'm really in the mood for something funny like you can find those subcategories really easily and mm-hmm. and i love that they organize it that way yeah that's a lot of fun well i so anything else any other movies you want to give a shout out to um i there's so many that we've already mentioned but uh i'm trying to think what else um then there's the funny ones like sharknado <laughs> <laughs> that are just like like all those sci-fi movies are so funny one of them is like croctopus and megalodon or something like that and like (laughs) they're just so weird and wild and those like like you mentioned the b and d and z z and whatever movies like they're just they can be so much fun because of how weird and wacky they get yeah, absolutely. I the, I did have uh, two more that I want to give a shout out to because I just thought of them. William Castle's The Tingler, which is the like <laughs> spinal spinal cord monster movie with Vincent Price, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, and and also, and we didn't really talk about this. Maybe maybe we'll talk about it later at some point. But uh, I love um, the Color Out of Space, which recently mm. came out and is on Shutter. Uh, and I and I also reviewed it on our website. It is if you want to see a monster movie where the monster is a color, uh, you know, go watch it. It's great. It's body horror. It's Nick Cage losing his goddamn mind uh, <laughs> as yes, per usual. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it really is. Uh, I think probably one of the best lovecraft adaptations i've ever seen in the best possible way like and it it actually addresses some of the issues that lovecraft obviously has um while also you know using the good parts and uh it's a load it's loads of fun and the final 10 minutes is just like mind-blowing like seriously (laughs) go go watch color out of space which is on shutter which is on shutter So this podcast brought to you by, no. Um, <laughs> if they want to give us money, we will take it. I know. Criterion, Kino, and Shudder should really be paying <laughs> us. <laughs> it's true. Uh, so I think that that is going to close us out for this particular episode of Citizen Dame. Thank you all so much for listening. And as always, we want to, spend a, we want to send a special thank you uh, to our patrons, who include Heather, Adriana, Michael, James, Katie, Cariata. Mason, Matthew, Michelle, Monty, 
Nanina, Nicole, Robert, Sharon, Steve, Tao, and Will. And if you would like to support us on uh, Patreon, we are, we're always there. We do release episodes early and we are going to try to get some more bonus stuff up. Um, it's been, it's been, a, it's been tough. <laughs> but uh Please, it, it helps us keep the lights on and uh, keep us uh, paying ourselves for, um, for hosting and things like that. So that's patreon.com slash citizen dame. If you just want to send us a few dollars um, without making any commitment, that is awesome too. Uh, we have a ko-fi, that's ko-fi.com slash citizen dame. And you can buy stuff from our Zazzle store, including masks. Wear your masks. Yes, uh, yes, wear your masks. Everyone now knows you need to wear a mask. You should really wear your mask. Uh, so you can buy those at zazzle.com slash citizen dame pod. And of course, you can contact us any number of ways. We are on Twitter and Instagram at citizen dame pod. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash citizen dame. You can send us an email, citizen dame pod at gmail.com. We are talking about horror films and stuff like that this entire month. So if you have any questions or anything you want us to address, please send us an email and we will try to get to it. Uh, and we do have our website, citizendamepod.com, where I am right now reviewing uh, a number of films coming out of the New York Film Festival. I know that Karen is going to be doing some films uh, coming out of AFI, and we are really excited about that. So just, you know, keep an eye on our website. We are putting up more things and reviews and discussions and everything. Uh, so thank you so much for listening to us next week we will be talking about more subgenres of horror because it's October and we want to watch spooky scary movies um, yeah so we do of course you can contact us both at our own in our own personal ways uh, I am on Twitter and Instagram at LH business Karen where are you I am on Twitter and Instagram at Karen M Peterson and that will close us out thank you for listening Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, in his native land, he was a king, but he comes before you in chains for your own amusement. Presenting Homer, the eighth wonder of the world. Whoa! Whoa! Look at the size of that platform!